0: This podcast was created and is hosted by a young survivor of stroke. This podcast series is part of Stroke Foundation's Young Stroke Project. Find out more by visiting youngstrokeproject.org.au.
1: I won't lie to you, I've been cacking myself about this uh, for pretty much a, a day solo, uh, so. Ah, don't uh, do that. <laughs> Hi there, my name's Paul Burns, I'm a young stroke survivor and I'm on a mission to talk to people that have suffered strokes and other traumas and have gone on to absolutely smash it in their chosen field. We'll chat about how they approach life, manage their shortcomings and get a few tips and tricks along the way. My guest today is Saran Chamberlain. Prior to her injury, Saran was an ambitious professional who could succeed at pretty much anything she turned her hand to in the corporate world, and at the same time, a mum of young children. Now, she's a champion for stroke survivors and is heavily involved with Stroke Foundation on the Young Stroke Project and Genius Group, Justin and the couple. So please enjoy this chat that I had with Saran. Thank you very much for volunteering to be a part of this first podcast ever uh, and being my (laughs) guinea pig. I guess first I really enjoyed when we had a bit of a, just an informal chat, like a couple of days ago, when you started mm. telling me a little bit about, yeah. you know, what you got up to prior to, to mm. your injury. So, I mean, can you tell us a little bit like about your background? Like when you started before sort of. You yeah.
2: Yeah. Yep. So I've always, um, I've always just gone. Yeah. All right, I'll give that a go um, before the injury. Um, mm. And so I, Was in admin for a long time and got bored and then would do a bit of finance, a bit of marketing. But then I got into IT and then that just gave me the shits because it just, you'd never finished anything. So I I went back into admin, but then again, got bored. Um, Found myself sort of uh, in a very weird position in a job that was, the company was trading insolvent, So left there fairly quickly. Uh Applied for a whole lot of jobs um, and did a whole panic, like, oh my God, I'm not in a job, which, you know, is, is so ridiculous because I was offered quite a few. Mm. Um, but then um, there was a job that was just around the corner from home. Okay. And uh, so he called and he said, oh, you know, it's a software company. Have you heard of a pallet? And I'm like, no. And he said, okay, <laughs> that's, you know, it's um, it's pallet tracking software and there's lots of money in it. Okay, cool. Yep. So... Um, Ended up working for him, just doing some finance, some part-time finance, Mm -hmm. um, and sorted that out fairly quickly. and was bored and then kind of went, well, you know, how about I just give this support a go? Because there's only two people in the office plus him, um, a salesperson and a support person. um, So you
1: mean like technical support?
2: Yeah, yep. well, okay. a technical support in that there was a pallet tracking software, and so yep. they would ring up and sort of say, "Look, I'm trying to reconcile this bill," um, and so, but I've I've lost the the the, the it was, and at the time it was database um, yep. back, background. Uh-huh. And it's now SQL. Finally, okay. yep.
0: it's taken a lot <laughs>
2: of years. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And um, so I just sort of learned it with talking to customers and kind of go, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about either. And so, you know, and in some ways by me admitting, you know, where I was actually at, people were a lot more accommodating, kind of go, oh, well, you know, this, this. And so I, I've learned by being humble, I think, yeah. which is really weird. You know, I mean, I <laughs> when I used to temp, people used to say, have you seen this software Yeah. before? And I'd go... And I'd wait for a beat and go, yes, because a minute, a second ago, I had seen it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so I'm like, but how about you teach me the way that you want me to use it? Okay. Yeah. And so people would always teach me. So that's kind of how I got, just got into everything.
1: So it's so it sounds like you were, came from a bit of a background of both being completely open and saying yes to whatever and being quite receptive, admitting that you don't know something, mm. being receptive and being taught. But then you talked about uh, when we last chatted about the, the person that employed you, and you know, he basically just gave you a start without you having the background, yeah. you know, that typically that you would, So I mean, what do you think it was that, you know, you, you you were offering to this guy that didn't know you from Adam, that he must have thought, I'm giving this lady a crack because she's obviously got something that, uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, so he knew that I was overqualified. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was a fairly open conversation from the very start um, where that, you know, he was like, oh, can you come in for an interview? Oh no, he said, oh, it's part-time. And I said, oh, I've just actually started doing a bit for my partner. So mm. what days do you want? Oh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I went, okay, well, I kind of do Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And he went, okay. And then he said, you, you know, can you come in for an interview? And I said, yep, yeah, what time? He said nine o'clock. I said, actually, I've got aerobics until 9.30. So can I come in after that? And he yeah. kind of went okay because for me it was kind of like well i've got nothing to lose so yeah sure you know um and then i said you know can i just come straight in from the gym so it's just easier and he went yeah okay so i rocked up in my gym gear and this girl walks out with in a suit who just had her interview and and then i just went in and we just got along Mm. he's a he's such a nice guy um and he's and he's smart like he's stupid smart like yeah. out of this world smart um and yeah we just got along and so um as we as we grew um as as we sort of got to know each other mm-hmm. he trusted me with more things um and then yeah then ended up let me sort of letting me run the business and so he was still the ceo yep um and he was the brains behind it um, and he had the passion and, and knew everything, you know, knew the pallet, knew the transport industry. Yep. So he did the software and I basically just did everything else around it. So yep. um, we built it up to, you know, 15 odd people from one country to, you know, sort of worldwide. So it was really cool.
1: So you, re- yeah, I was going to say, so it sounds like you went from like an admin role to an IT support role to like a business operations role all by just saying, yeah, I'll have a crack and we'll see yeah. what happens. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, listening to people. I mean, it's, that's amazing. I mean, it's not too many, you don't hear too many stories like that anymore of, you know, just no. going in, having a crack and then seeing Especially, what happens by being yeah. open, you know?
2: Yeah. And I do not have a degree at all. So no. um, yeah. So it was more so like he just, he just had the trust in me. So yeah, um, yeah I was, I was lucky in that I, I don't work for people people I never worked for people who didn't appreciate their staff so yeah, sure. you know there was there was a big thing in I think from from very very early on I wouldn't work for people that weren't nice.
1: Yeah sure now I remember you uh, I know you've got some uh some kids uh were you a parent at this sort of point or?
2: I was so I'd only I when I first started at 2IC yep. um I had two kids and okay. so Catherine was about two at the time, Hayden was four. And then I had Emma. Um, I was pregnant with Emma at work. Um, I ended up, um, my pelvis was out. So, and again, I just lived up the road. Mm -hmm. So they would come to my house for meetings on my bed because I couldn't actually move. Um, And then when I had Emma, I actually went in back in full time Mm -hmm. and we actually just sort of set up the office. There was, again, there was still only three of us, but there were fewer, there were different kinds of people. Mm -hmm. And so I would bring Emma in and there was a couch next to me. So I'd sort of lay her on there or the table while she was still, you know, not moving much. And if she started crying and I was on the phone, Andrew or Glenn would grab her and just, you know, chuck her over his over their lap and yep. yeah it was great but it, but, it, it,
1: but it sounds like that even you know prior to you know injury and you know uh, the new world you were pretty used to having a fairly full dance card
2: it was ridiculous um <laughs> you know i still went to the gym three four times a week which included during work time oh and we went out a lot um but also we had the kids and we yeah. had school and we had, you know, all these other things. Yeah. You just, oh. you just do, do you know what I mean? Like you just yeah. add on more and more things and you don't think about it because.
1: But it sounds like you love the challenge. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. 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 yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. So, all right. Um, I guess fast forward
2: mm. to
1: several years later and in your late thirties, I'm being yep. very careful about mentioning your age, Saran, because I yep. know, you know where I live. Yeah. Um <laughs> uh you know you obviously had, you, you had a had a stroke can you tell me just a little bit about you know some of the injuries you know permanent sort of injuries mm. that you've that you've sustained yeah. as a part of that
2: yeah so i lost my complete left side um so i had complete paralysis and sensation on my left Um, Uh so if you cut a line down the middle of my body Mm. and you go to my and go from there to my left Mm -hmm. that was all that was numb inside and out Um, and I still have lack of sensation now Um, but I'm at least sort of moving I can walk I can't Mm -hmm. walk very fast Um, Mm -hmm. but the main damage was done was in my Sensory, premotor and motor cortex of my hand and fingers. So oh. um, I can sort of move my arm, but without a hand, it doesn't, you know, doesn't really do much. So, uh, okay, yeah. And so is, those are the physical deficits.
1: Did you suffer any, uh, you know, I mean, what we call invisible injuries? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yep. There was the fatigue that, and that was massive fatigue, yeah. which is huge sensory overload. Um, there was a massive amount of depression and it was as though with the injury, all the walls were broken down around my brain. So the emotions were like extravagant, like it was just full on. Um, yeah. I was either really happy or really sad or really angry. Um, yep. And to this day, I still can't lie you know a joke that emma hasn't got a certain present or whatever so she knows that so she she knows that if i if she says have you bought me so and so and i say no and i have it's it's a dead giveaway
1: so no more poker no no <laughs> no there is no
2: there is no filter whatsoever so
1: i must admit it is always made for some very interesting conversations between us you don't have a lot of filter i don't have a lot of filter it's, Great, it's a good it? it's a good time it's a good yeah, time yeah yeah so i mean a lot of those injuries that i mean you know we've talked about the physical stuff the you know the the invisible side of things does a lot of that sort of still persist until to this day it does
2: yeah. um i remember And it was probably a couple of years, three or four years later, I went to a pain specialist Uh and I said to him, "Is fatigue. And he went, yes, you have fatigue. And I said, Mm. yeah, I know, but like it's getting better. So when will I get rid of it? And he said, no, no, you have fatigue. And he said, and you will have it for the rest of your life. And if you don't start working out how to balance it, when you start reaching older age, then you're going to have problems. I'm like, And it was as though I'd been whacked with a stroke again. Like it was, it was, it was, it was something that I didn't realize was going to be with me. Like that's it. I now say fatigue is my little, little friend that walks along with me all the Mm. time. And as long as I don't, you know, annoy it, it doesn't annoy me. And we sort of just walk hand in hand and hopefully the fatigue sort of stays quieter
1: than,
2: than, you know, than usual. So.
1: And I mean, I, that's, that's a tough pill to swallow for a person who, you know, prior to injury was used to absolutely getting after it and Mm -hmm. doing 4 million things a day. And then, you know, saying, yep, sure. What's next. I mean, did you find that was one of the, you know, you sort of alluded to it, but that must've been one of the things that, you know, really knocked you around.
2: It was, um, mainly because, I mean, I don't have any cognitive issues. So Uh mine is literally all physical, except for the unseen, which is the fatigue and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, my brain still works exactly the same in that, you know, I could do my work, that kind of thing. But Mm -hmm. if I learn something new or if I'm sitting in meetings or doing multiple, it's not as bad now, nine years post, but, um, you know, um, I know that generally you know, if I'm doing certain things or doing newer things, I have to rest. Um, Hmm. And it's not, it's not a sleep. I keep saying, it's kind of, I sort of lay there and I know I'm awake, Hmm. but I also know I'm not conscious. And then I, and then my alarm goes off and I kind of think, Oh, great. I'm going to still, I feel like crap, but then I'm fine. Like, it's just, I'm refreshed. Um, And so I know that it does do something, but yeah, it's, um, yeah it's been it has been a really hard pill to swallow um and it has helped knowing that you know speaking to other people like you um Mm. that we all sort of have it um so it's not like oh my god my body and brain is just so completely buggered that i've got this it's kind of like we all have it um and we just have to kind of live with it which is yeah annoying but it's either well you know it's a bit like depression. You know, I I don't fight that because yeah. then I don't come out tired or at the end, I sort of just go with it and then ideally come out with a fresher view yep. sort of at that. At when I come, you know, sort of put my head out.
1: Did uh, did your medical uh, advisors give you a heads up that depression might be a part of the package deal? Or did you find out about that the hard way? <laughs>
2: No, oh, my neuro, um, when I went to him at one stage, he said, "So there's um, when you have a stroke, part of the brain that's damaged gives you depression." And I said, yeah. "So hang on, so you have depression because you have a stroke, and you have depression because you have a stroke." Yeah. And great, excellent. And and I already sort of, I already sort of had depression. I already had depression before the stroke. Mm. So it's just like great, okay. Um, but I was lucky that I had my psychologist and beforehand, and I kept seeing her afterwards as well. So,
1: yeah, it's always something that I've always wondered. It's like, you know, is that the tail wagging the dog? People sort of say, oh, well, you know, you've had a depression because, you know, you've had a stroke and your brain chemistry is, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I've always kind of like, well, yeah, but I've just had a stroke and my life is now radically different. Yes. That's going to make you depressed as hell, right. regardless yep. of, yep. you know, someone
0: yeah, stirring the pot of custard
1: between the ears. Mm. It's, mm, um, mm. yeah. Okay. And you still, you know, deal with those sorts of issues sort of now
2: each and every day. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: How would you, I mean, how do you sort of handle it? Is it really a case of you just sort of, you know, you have to plan ahead with managing your fatigue and, and that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm aware of what, um, of what tires me out. Yeah. So I had a speech that I had to do on Thursday and it was yeah. a big one. Um, and I'd I'd known from sort of previous speeches how yeah. much I needed sort of that rest in preparation, mm-hmm. um, and not just the preparation, but as in thinking about it, putting it down on paper, as such um, editing it, and then actually practicing it, and then actually doing it. Mm. So. You know, it's not just kind of like, okay, so I've got a speech coming up. Yep, cool. Um, you know, it's, it's for an hour, so I'll make sure that I've had enough sleep. It's, yeah. it's a whole lot of preparation. It's, it's, it's a step-by-step process um, that you sort of have to go right. Well, to write a three-minute part, I had to sleep for 10 minutes or, you know, rest and that kind of thing. So I just sort of try and smash it out and then ideally sleep and give myself an hour yeah, and then come back a bit later. And actually give myself space. So yeah, it's it's that real. I'm you know I'm I'm nearly nine years in January, so I yeah. think um, I'm fairly aware of what I can and can't do. Um, I still push the boundaries. I mean, you know, we're always going to do that. <laughs> who doesn't. Um, yeah, and uh, that that's a, that whole personality trait. Um, mm. But but my priority is that. I need to make sure that I'm still good to do my therapy as well as spending time with my family. So um, I just keep that in front of mind so that I know that, you know, okay, well let's, let's just sort of be real here and know what we can and can't do.
1: Yeah. And I guess, I mean, you know, I, I've had sort of, you know, similar experiences we've chatted about in the past and, you know, when we, you know, we talk about managing our issues and managing our fatigue, you know, and the energy, you know we're managing our energy, but the mad yeah. thing is, and I don't know if you find the same thing is it takes energy <laughs> to manage your energy.
2: I know, yeah, yeah, which
1: is like, come on, man. I know, I know, <laughs> I know.
2: and people don't get it. It's it's you know it, it's um it's difficult for people who don't have that lived experience yeah to understand that it takes energy to use energy and you know to think about things um to consider to do it to you know, afterwards, all that kind of stuff, yeah. and even emotions like stress. Mm. Um, you know, like I was nervous, so my whole body seized up. So then I sort of, you know, had pain, and then that sort of tired me out. Um And yeah, so it's it's just that whole, it's the whole which is constant. Um, yeah, it's just kind of just making sure that you're keeping everything in check.
1: So. so, so how do you? I mean, I don't know if you have been able to, but you know, have you been able to ex Blame to someone that doesn't have the lived experience, what it's like in ways that they understand, or is it that's a never ending battle as well?
2: Um, I, I mean, I do to probably close friends and family. Mm. Um, you know, although I was trying to explain to David how to how I move my wrist, for example, that I need to move my wrist by moving my forearm and tricep. Um, mm. And I can't feel it on my left. So I have to work out how to do it on my right yep. and then sort of try and mirror it. But I only know that I'm doing it correctly when my, my left side starts warming up. And, I, and if, say, for example, my scapula is out of joint, mm-hmm. I know that it's out of joint because it hurts. But I only know when it's back in there, when it's back in there. So yeah. it's kind of like a blind, blind jigsaw puzzle because I can't see it or feel it, mm. but I know when it's back in. It's, it's, and and that's yeah. So that's that's easy to um, easier to explain to say OT students, um, yeah. but yeah, it's quite difficult to explain to family and friends.
1: But I guess even the physical stuff is, to a certain point, kind of demonstrable, right? I mean, people mm. get you know, I've got. You know issues with left or right and yep. they, they get the concepts but getting this invisible component yes. over it which yep. plays such a massive part yeah I mean I mean I found it extremely challenging I mean it's mm. uh, yeah it's mm. I guess it's what it's one of the reasons why I'm you know starting to talk to people in this kind of forum because yeah. I'm like give me your tips and tricks hey, man yeah. seriously yeah. <laughs> yeah and sharing that with everybody so yeah. um Okay. So would you say that, uh, you know, when, you know, early in your recovery, the doctors must've sat down, I mean, did they sit down and have a chat and and set your expectations for what life was going to be like (laughs) going forward? And they didn't. No, It it was just, here it is. We treat you. Now we've released you into the wild, have fun and work it out.
2: Yeah. And I didn't realize honestly, until probably a couple of years ago that stroke is a brain injury and Mm um you know there's that part in my brain that's dead um and that the rest of my brain have to you know try and try and work that little bit harder but also having to work around it you know mm-hmm. so it's not like you can kind of remove that part um not in my case anyway and um you know like so it's it's just constant it's it's you know it's there forever mm-hmm. um and yeah and it's an injury and so yeah the brain and the body is just constantly working harder all the time
1: so and with all that with all that mixed in and all of these things that you're discovering having to work out find out the hard way all with limited energy when you're trying to manage this and make it up as you go along mm. you've got three kids yeah yeah how did that go <laughs>
2: look they're really good my my partner's sort of taught them that they needed to look after me as well. yeah. And, you know, and that was a, that was a hard pill to swallow in that, you know, my kid shouldn't be looking after me. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way David has done it is that it just is, you know, um, it's just like how, you know, in partnership um, husband and wife do different things. Like as long yeah. as someone's doing it, Um, you know, as long as the job's being done, it doesn't really matter who, who does it. Mm. But so that's kind of what we've taken up as a family unit. Um, and you know, Emma, my younger, she was three at the time when I had the stroke, she's now 12. Yeah. You know, she's, that's all she knows. Um, Mm. so, you know, they know that they have to make dinner on a night that Dave is not home and generally they have to dish it up and, you know, pass it to me and stuff like that. Mm. Um, yeah it's it just sort of is and so yeah it's been I think it's probably been harder for me to deal with like even my 19 year old who was 10 mm. sort of said i don't remember it mm. and so and so that's good do you know what i mean like i yeah totally. i i'm i'm happier that they don't remember it um because i think i'd, I'd i mean i know that emma gets really if i if i do crack it at her which you know should be more often than it is um you know she she reacts quite excessively and i think it's because she still i still have that trauma she still has that trauma of me just completely losing it at her
1: yeah so i guess you know you've gone from this person that was really not saying no to anything you know Mm as we sort of say, you know, more front than Myers, you know, wander into a situation, put your <laughs> hand up and go, yeah, I'll have a go. Come on, you know, really back yourself yeah. to having these, you know, sorts of challenges, um, you know, on all fronts, you know, not just physical, mental, family, the mm-hmm. whole shooting match, everything that gets, you know, happened to you when you have an injury like this, it did, I mean, I, I can only, you know, I speak for myself in this too, you know, it must've knocked your confidence, something terrible. Did, yeah. I mean, did you find that as part of, you know?
2: He did. I mean, and again, I and I only really honestly reached this true realisation probably about a year ago, yeah. but I thought I'd reached it two years ago in that, you know, I kept trying to work because that was my identity. Um, yeah. And I kept failing, but I kept going and I kept going. And, you know, and so seven years I kept going. Yeah. And then I actually found myself out of work and kind of went, oh my God, mm. here I've been thinking that, you know, I've got a better life post-stroke. I'm spending time with my family. Yeah. And I wasn't like, I was, I was spending time with them because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going out. Yeah. But I was asleep. Like they would either go out without me or I'd go with them. And then I'd go to sleep in the car and then sort of get out and go and find them a bit later. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it whacked me um, yeah. in that, that two years ago, I was suddenly like, so what am I, who am I? Mm. Where is my place in the family unit? Where is my place in life? You know, um, that was and that was hard. So I hit a pretty big low at that point, um, yeah. and thought I sort of came out the other side. Um, but I say that I was I was talking the talk, but I wasn't walking the walk until about a year ago, when mm-hmm. um, my right hand um, started playing up, and I thought I was going to have to have an operation, and therefore be out of action for six to eight weeks without hands Mm -hmm. um and luckily it's arthritis of sorts um and so but at that point it was like another trauma and -hmm. i was like hang on a minute here are the things that i've learned from from the stroke that you know don't sweat small stuff and look at what's actually important Um, Mm -hmm. and i thought i did those things back then and then also a year ago and then i thought hang on a minute (laughs) let's actually learn properly from this um and yeah so now i honestly have kind of gone right this is what i want to do without needing to have to like so work-wise this is what i want to this is what i want to do without having to you know constantly sort of fight and justify my place in in the world and this is what i want to do with my family and and my therapy okay um
1: so i mean which (laughs) I mean, it brings a sort of a, a a great segue, I guess, into what life is like now, both, you know, professionally, you know, family yeah. and that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, we've known each other for a little while. I know you have as many fingers in many different pies, um, yeah. you know, a, and obviously advocacy is a massive part of, uh, you know, something you, you know, you feel a real drive about. I mean, can mm. you talk a little bit about, you know, what you've got going on at the moment? Yeah.
2: So I think I worked out that, um, you know, I had to fight hard for um, working out exactly what I wanted with my therapy, Mm -hmm. um, with the therapists themselves. And I sort of met a few other people who didn't have that voice, um, who didn't either, you know, have the confidence or have the actual ability um, cognitively and that kind of thing. Um, And so I was already involved with the Stroke Foundation in mm-hmm. the Consumer Council. Um, and then they brought on the Young Stroke Project. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was involved in the lived experience working group on a voluntary role. Um, and um, yeah, and then they wanted an actual project coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I've was i always been really passionate about Young Stroke anyway. Um, so I found myself, um, Honestly, not having an agenda, but actually wanting to speak to other people and to, you know, actually sort of show those voices in the project and, yeah. and, and really sort of show that when I spoke, it was based on all the other people, all the people that I've spoken with, whether or not it be part of the project or part of the Genius Network and that kind of thing. Hmm. Um, and, and, yeah, and I suppose I, I got involved in that and then kind of fell into a support coordination role with people who've been fighting NDIS um, from a stroke <laughs> perspective. Yep. Um, and again, because I'd done that. Um, and then also, you know, being in South Australia, being asked to be parts of, part of research and that kind of thing as a yep. lived experience. So, yeah.
1: So with Consumer Council involvement, Young Stroke Project, lived experience working group, uh, you know, being employed by Stroke Foundation, Involvement in Genius, All of these things combined with the fatigue, uh, the physical issues, the demands that, that, you know, family, you know, have on us all and, you know, our reduced capacity to to deal with that due to our injury, all of this stuff going on. I mean, nobody would blame anybody with all of that going on, just going, I just need to put my feet up for a bit. How do you maintain the rage, Saran? How do you Mm -hmm. actually... You know, with all the time, I mean, I know how debilitating fatigue can be, um, how do you do it? Like, how do you just stay so like fired up to, to be involved? Because it's, it's not,
2: say for example, I'm not doing processes and procedures mm. where I have to justify that my place I'm, I've had a stroke. I have that lived experience. Yeah. Um, I'm involved in engagement in the project. Yeah. Um, I'm doing the stuff that i want to do I you find value it. in yeah. yeah yeah and and people find value in me that way um so i don't feel as though i have to keep on sort of going oh you know here i've done this and i've done this to, yeah. to, to try and actually sort of go look this is uh, this is why i'm here um yeah it's just very much like no no i know i'm a good advocate i know mm. that i speak for people um i know that when i do bits and pieces with support coordination or be part of the consumer council. I'm showing up. I I'm, I'm putting everything in, but everything in, in a stroke capacity, you know, in, in a stroke survivor capacity. So yeah. I don't have to, you know, try and work, you know, um, 40 hours a week doing that. You know, yeah. it, it's, it's um, I find it funny because a lot of my stroke fat, stroke project um, is talking to people like you <laughs> having a chat you know you yep. seeing how everyone is, is yep. getting them involved in the project so it's very it's not a um tick in the box kind of thing it's not smashing out reports it's not doing anything like that so it's just, it's just I, being
1: there. yeah sure but I but I guess you I mean there's obviously you know irrespective of any of any financial stuff that's going on but there's probably parts of those engagements and involvements that you know you don't have to do that you choose to do yeah so you know again you must have a very very strong why in order to get you over that those challenges that you're suffering yourself mm. to get you you know fully you know into those sorts of things I mean is it is is that is that what keeps you engaged it's that big why you know is is that why you do what you do
2: it is. And I can actually go, you know what? I'm just going to shelve that for a minute yeah. um, because I know that this isn't a, um, you know, I, I tried at one day, I sort of thought, right, you know, I can do this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. And you can't, first yeah. of all, one, I can't physically, I can't mentally, yeah. but also um, to raise awareness isn't a two day job do you know what I mean? This is a long-term kind of project. Um,
1: It's a slow burner.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And, and for me, I think that's been the biggest thing to actually go, okay, hang on a minute. This isn't a literally a right smash that out and then go to the next one. This is a, I need to work on this. It's a slow kind of um, raising awareness, um, speaking to this person, networking with this person. Um, Yeah.
1: So So when you're having those moments, like we all do, irrespective of injury, um, and you know you've got these things that are literally, you know, you choose to do them or you choose not to do them. But you know, you're having a bad day. You know, you're mm-hmm. a basket case. Your fatigue is off the charts because you yeah. know A, B, and C. So, what gets you up? What get, what gets you out of your chair and 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 doing it? Is it, you know, do, do you feel that empty? Or do you just go, you know, what I call time on that? I'll come back to it later. As long as I keep the the ball, the can being kicked down the road, that's enough. Is that how you manage it?
2: I think the biggest thing is that you know, we have expectations of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and we keep, you know, striving for more and more. And and really that's ridiculous. Like who's actually doing that? We're doing it to ourselves. Yeah, totally. Um, and so, you know, it doesn't matter if I don't do this today. Yeah. It doesn't matter, you know, like we make sure that there's bits and pieces that needs to be done, but you know it, it it's not life or death um and I know that if if I don't have the energy to do it I'll I'll do it crappy and then I'll feel even crappier. Yeah. And then I'll feel crappy that I feel crappy and, and it's just sort of you know whereas I can just go, you know what? No. I'm just gonna sit it there. I'm just gonna rest um and I'm going and it's and it's okay. It's mm. okay to do it because it'll be there. Yeah. It'll always be there. Um mm-hmm. and when I get back to it I'll have the energy and the real want to do it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Mm. So knowing what you know now about Mm. your experience, you know, where you started, what happened, Mm. where you've got to now, uh, particularly in that area of recovery um, or even, you know, getting back into finding out what makes you tick and where you want to play in the world. um, Knowing what you know now, what would you do differently?
2: If anything. Oh no, God, there's so much, (laughs) so much. Um, I certainly think I would have reached out to someone earlier. Um, I was so isolated and I didn't realize how sad and alone I was. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, speaking to other people with lived experience, being involved in the Genius Network is cathartic. It's like, um, oh my God, I'm okay. I'm mm. not a complete, like, absolute just lost case. Yeah. Um, and I think, um, you know, I wish I'd, I mean, I didn't have a great identity of myself beforehand, before the stroke. Um, mm. And then, sort of, after the stroke, my own identity in general was always, you know, trying to seek approval. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to sort of do my work because that's what I succeeded in. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone had sort of said, yeah, "You really can't do this," like, "Come on now, let's let's actually look at it." Um, and again, that's speaking to someone else with with that's have that bit of experience beyond my one day, a one year kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone could have done that, I think I would have certainly not taken seven or eight years to get where I am today mm. um but then you know part of me thinks if i hadn't gone through all the crap then i wouldn't be where i was today as well yeah yeah you know um but yeah just 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 actually kind of going it's okay it's okay don't like it's okay yeah um that's the biggest thing i think
1: okay so run thank you so much for your time i really appreciate i mean i'm sure there'll be a lot of people that appreciate your insights it's uh it's something you certainly don't hear a lot about so um yeah thanks so much for uh chatting to me on this first podcast
0: <laughs> no worries it's a appreciate. It. thank you no worries cool this episode is part of the young stroke podcast series created by stroke foundation's young stroke project Find out more by visiting youngstrokeproject.org.au. You can listen to dozens of other podcasts on our stroke recovery website, enableme.org.au. Stroke Line's allied health professionals can help you manage your health and live well. Stroke Line is a practical, free and confidential service. Call 1-800-787-653, Monday to Friday, 9am to 5pm, Australian Eastern Standard Time or email stroke line at strokefoundation.org.au. The advice given here is general in nature. Discuss your situation and needs with your healthcare professionals. The Young Stroke Podcast series is presented by Australia's Stroke Foundation and funded by the Australian Government Department of Social Services.